Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast, broadcasting here from Happy Valley, where we are under 48 hours away from another top 10 showdown here in Beaver Stadium. Michigan Wolverines ranked third in the college football playoff rankings, unbeaten on the season, and unbeaten in Big Ten play since October 2021. Rolling the town, looking to extend that win streak amid a lot of noise around that program right now. And meanwhile, Penn State, just three weeks removed from that loss to Ohio State that Stung for a while, perhaps it still does. They'll get a shot of redemption back on home turf. And to bring in Daniel Gown and Mark Brennan for better perspective on this whole deal right now, we heard from Zach Shaw on our Tuesday podcast. He gave us a really good breakdown of where the Wolverines are right now. Right now, We didn't, we didn't really tiptoe around the situation. He told us where he thinks the locker room is. As the investigation goes on, as we wonder if Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the sideline Saturday even. It's a wild week for coverage here. But at the end of the day, it's 60 minutes of football that will determine who is really in a good position for the college football playoff or if the chaos is going to be the theme of the th uh, theme of the season here in the Big Ten. Mark, we'll begin with you because, again, we've seen this before. It's, it's an opportunity for James Franklin and this program to ascend, take the next step. And as we've said, the Big Ten East coming to a close, that era of football, it's been maybe the best division in football for five years or so now. The SEC West has had a contention there. But you look at where this is now. Um, it's the last shot. If you don't take care of business, it's 0-6 in a three-year span against Ohio State and Michigan. And the one win that you got to go back to was in an empty big house in Ann Arbor during the pandemic-shortened season in 2020. So a lot on the line because it feels like if they don't pick up this victory – even an 11-2 and two finish at whatever pick-your-bowl destination and, and, and a great New Year's Six uh, you know, matchup, 
it will still feel a little bit hollow or perhaps not quite up to that 11-win season last year because of what the expectations were coming into August and because of what is riding on the line when the Wolverines or the Buckeyes share the field with this squad. Yeah, it was pretty interesting because yesterday, uh, as we record this Thursday, yesterday being Wednesday, uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith was asked about, you know, having never beaten Michigan, and he had to refresh a reporter's memory and said, well, yeah, I was there during the COVID year, but I think that's how that how far that's kind of slipped from everybody's collective consciousness. But but I'm going to go back to something that I've been saying all week, and I, I really do think, uh, you know, it's an under, not reported, but I don't think people are putting nearly enough emphasis on this. The fact that, you know, again, as we record this Thursday, we're still waiting to hear if there will be any punishment or whatever. If you're a Penn State fan, you don't want any of that to happen until next week. You want to get the best version of Michigan that you can possibly get. So if you are able to win, if you are able to bake, break this drought, as Daniel said earlier, there's no asterisk, asterisk next to it. So it is, I think, it, from Penn State's perspective, you want Harbaugh to be there. You don't want anything looming over this team's head. You want to play the best version of Michigan that you could possibly play. So if you are fortunate to, enough to win, uh, that nobody is going to look at that, you know, any other way that, than you beat Michigan. But yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think for the first, you know, five or six years of James Franklin's, even a little bit more uh, of his tenure at Penn State, you could rationalize the fact that they weren't able to, to, to beat these top 10 Big Ten teams. I think that's actually a better way of looking at it because when they've played top teams in the Big Ten that are in the top 10, there were years where Michigan was down a little bit. But you could rationalize not being able to, to, to beat them consistently because of what he inherited, because of the way he had to rebuild everything because of the way he had to get everything up to that elite level where they're able to compete. But now I think all those things are there. You know, they have the facilities, you know, they, they keep improving them. They certainly have the, the a, a big enough staff, right? I mean, I, I did the uh, player arrival, you know, last week at Maryland or at the team hotel. And then I, I, I shot over five minutes of video of people walking into the hotel. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, you have the athletes, you have the depth, you have all of these things. And I think that's what hurt people, fans, so much when they weren't able to finally get it done against Ohio State. But this is your opportunity. And if you're able to get it done, then you are a bona fide college football playoff contender. And if you're not, you're what you have been the past however many years, the, the COVID years, it, 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 out, not, not really counting in that. In, in my, it, it, you know, you, people may want to count those, but to me, I don't count those because I think the whole world was kind of turned on its head. But you look at where Penn State was going into COVID and then coming out, you know, it's a New Year's Six team. And, and if you're unable to get past Michigan this week, that's what you are. Is there anything wrong with that? Not necessarily. But if you want to say you're competing for national championships, you haven't been able to do it. And again, last year, where just four teams are invited to the party to determine who takes that crown. So it's just it's the reality of the situation here in November 2023. It's the Big Ten East and it's it's that 14 playoff. And for one more go round, Daniel, you are do a far better job than I. I. I tend to get tunnel vision with Penn State football. You do a much better job than me keeping your finger on the pulse of the national college football landscape. Maybe how things are viewed a little bit more externally for Penn State versus Michigan, and then we're viewing it here in the vacuum of being in, in Happy Valley. What do you get for the sense of, of the showcase that's developing here for Saturday, the sideshow circus act that's obviously intertwined with the whole process, and what Penn State stands to gain 
or lose from this opportunity in Beaver Stadium? I think that from everything that I've read and been looking at, uh, you, you kind of have to dig in a little bit to get the the real analysis of the game because of the the sideshow and, and everything else that's going on. Um, you know, just like Mark echoed about wanting to see Michigan at full strength. Um, you know, I still maintain that uh, you don't want anything to happen because you don't want an even more motivated Michigan team coming in based on how they've handled things earlier this year with Harbaugh's absence. I saw some things today about uh, players posting photos that said free Connor Stallions uh, on Instagram. Um, so yeah, you can kind of see that there's a huge us against the world thing uh, that, that I think is ha- that is in Michigan and you got to give Jim Harbaugh some props for being able to really foster that. I mean, that's, that's what you do as a coach, get these guys in, in a position to win games. But I mean, I think that, Penn State really does need to prove itself on on the national level. I think that a lot of people view them as a very, very good program, maybe a great program um, with what they've been able to do recruiting wise, the talent on the roster, their showings against some of these inferior teams in the Big Ten and nationally. But I think that there's a lot of people that are still kind of waiting for that breakthrough and then they're not viewed on the same level as Michigan, Ohio State, and then some of those SEC teams. So I think that Penn State stands to gain a lot from this game. Um, if they can pull out a victory, I think that it would be you know, the real signature win. I think depending on how the rest of the season goes, you can you might even be able to put it above 2016 Ohio State, um, depending on what happens these next couple of weeks if Penn State were to win. But um, yeah, I, I think that from that 100,000-foot view of everything, that Penn State is in a position where it can take a really big step forward. Um, and I think that what we what we talked about before the Ohio State game, what we've touched on this week, in terms of this era of college football ending, um, I, I think that you know, even Michigan State had success this you know, over the, over this past decade. Um, you know, Michigan and Ohio State have been up there. I, I think that. Um, you know, if Penn State goes this stretch of the Big Ten East and four-team college football playoff without kind of having that breakthrough, I, I think that you can view at least this slice as, you know, from that perspective as some sort of disappointment, some level of disappointment. Um, but uh, it'll it's interesting, though, because this Michigan stuff has really snowballed um, and it takes a little bit. You have to dig down a little bit uh, to, to get to the matchup, to get to even get to Penn State. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you talk about Franklin winning that title in, in, in 16, and it was a surprise. It didn't get into the playoffs because they had those two early losses, but it accelerated the expectations so much nationally, certainly here locally, because you consider where the expectations were and where people were realistically talking about Penn State being tar- part of any title conversation when he came here in 2014 or when Bill O'Brien took over in 2012. It felt like a long way off, and all of a sudden – you're hoisting that trophy in 2016. We're suddenly seven years removed from that. And like you said, they're, they're, we've seen different teams pop up. Michigan State got annihilated on the college football playoff stage, but they were on that stage. And I think you're right. If you know, if history, when we look back at this era of college football, whatever it is, about a decade, decade sample size of, of how the college football playoff was structured and how teams won national championships, it's going to be a short list that Penn State is on of, of the also-rans, of the teams that were on that bubble, and that's just a frustrating spot to be. Maybe it's a better spot than people thought that Penn State would be in 2014, 
but it's not quite where that the, the where kind of the trajectory was set and established a long time ago. And because of these two teams that you're sharing a division with, that's a huge part of it. Mark, I mean, we got to go back a long ways uh, to the last time we covered Penn State losing a game that didn't involve Ohio State or Michigan. It's the Arkansas matchup in the Outback Bowl. And you want to talk about a completely different team and a much different staff. I mean, it doesn't look very similar in so many ways. And, and yet, as much as they've been defined by the, the Rose Bowl uh, run and, and, and this resurgence of talent and the freshmen who stepped up last year, now they're sophomore players and there's this nucleus of young talent that they can grow with. It's still also somewhat defined by the bitter moments that followed these defeats against Michigan and Ohio state, two of them against Ohio state now. And Mark, what do you make of this team's mentality? I think in the Ohio state week, we felt a bit more bravado uh, maybe a bit more outward, external confidence, public confidence. And perhaps that led some of us uh, to go all in and say, this is a game they're going to win. I was about as confident as I ever remembered a Penn State team being. They brought maybe their most complete defensive performance that we've seen from them in the last couple of years on the road to Columbus and probably their worst offensive performance in the last few years on the road to Columbus. They got a 20 to 12 loss out of that. What do you make of what we've heard, what we've encountered this week here uh, leading up to the Michigan matchup? Well, they're saying all the right things, but they always say say all the right things, right? I mean, I think the more telling thing was last week's game against Maryland. You know, we, there was the expected hangover against Indiana. I don't think we many of us thought it was going to be to the extent that, that it was and that it actually – uh, impacted the defense as well, you know, uh, and the, for the first time all season, the defense didn't play particularly well. But I think the fact that Penn State was able to come back against Maryland, a very athletic Maryland team, you know, obviously a Maryland team that's struggling, but to not only win easily, but to show, to re regain some of that swagger that we saw earlier in the year. And, you know, maybe you don't like the personal foul penalties. Maybe you don't like Catron uh, Allen flexing and that stuff. But I think they needed that. I mean, I think that was a team that just – it had to refine the, 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 the pop in its step. And I think it did that. Now, will that carry over into Michigan? I think going into the game, they're going to have that. Now, we'll see what happens once the game starts. But I think the way that this schedule played out – that the fact that they were able to kind of survive that Indiana game and then come out with a kind of clear head and just really annihilate Maryland, uh, I think that was a positive for Penn State. And again, for, from what we hear this week, it you know, everybody's saying the right things again. I mean, I actually I like the fact that Kalen King was like, Yeah, you know, this game means a little bit extra. I mean, we all know we all and other players are not saying that, but I actually like the fact – I don't think there's anything wrong with that. When you're in game week, okay, we, you can give us this 1-0 and stuff the, the entire season. And I have no problem with that because it, it seems to work for them, right? But once you're in a game week, get, get rid of that stuff and ad admit that, yeah, this is a big game. Everybody's watching. Everybody's going to judge you. This is going to be a much different game. If you beat this team, it's going to be much different than if you beat Maryland – or Rutgers, I mean, those teams with no football tradition whatsoever, you're, you're playing against Michigan. Sorry, guys. but it's gonna, yeah, it'd be I, different than, It would be different than beating Utah in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, absolutely, especially given the history, the, the recent history. And as you said, Tyler, the, the fact that this is the end of divisional play and then the, the fact that next year you could be the number 12 team or the number 11 team, I guess, technically speaking, 
uh, and still make your way into the, the 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 college football playoffs. So yeah, this is this is huge, and we're seeing the right things. Uh, and I think we actually saw it from the defense and special teams at Ohio State too. We just didn't see it from the offense. Yeah. So I think that's where all the all the vision should be. I think the defense is going to play well. The special teams, I think, has been that, that's another under valued part of this they came out of the bye week i mean they went into the bye week with so many questions on special teams and they have tightened all those things up so you know you're gonna you, you have a pretty good feel that you're gonna get a, a good performance from your defense the special teams has proven that it's been consistent week in and week out recently so where is that swagger going to be from the offense are we going to see it or are we not going to see it? And that's where I think when we're making predictions on this game, that's where everybody's like thinking, hmm, this could be an uphill climb. Kalen King on Wednesday did call this a confirmed statement game. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then well, at least one other person on this roster went out there publicly and did it. His twin, Kobe King. Uh, a few hours later, we caught up with him after practice, and he said, yeah, definitely a statement game. The quote that I'll read from him here, it definitely means more for everybody, I would say. Got to come out with a chip on our shoulder. And this is a game that we feel like is going to help us in the near future. We've got to take advantage of it. There's been some read between the lines comments and that one stood out. There's been some others this week. I think they've been sold that they win this game, that they're in the driver's seat to get to the college football playoff. I don't know if they've been told that directly, but they're basically saying if you handle your business here, you are in control of your destiny to go chase a national championship. And how many teams can reach mid-November and actually be behind the wheel. Now, is that really the case? I don't know. There's such a convoluted conversation, and you're going to have maybe a couple other teams to deal with in your division, even if you beat Michigan, let alone all the other teams across other conferences. But, Daniel, what are you thinking here? I mean, the, the, the way that they're approaching this Michigan game, it, it looks like Chop Robinson and Mean Vanover. Certainly we're back at practice. We'll see if that means they're back in the game. This is a healthy team for mid-November. They've got depth in a lot of places. What do you think they are just the overall body of work heading into week 10, game 10, and as we'd probably say, the biggest matchup of 2023? I, I thought Mark made a really good point about how confident they sounded before the Ohio State game. And I, I think that it has it's not necessarily that kind of same bravado this week, but I, I think that like you laid out with those quotes from Kalen King and, and Kobe King, that there's a certain level of almost honesty when it comes to what this game means for Penn State. Um, I think that, you know, we talked to Kalen King, Kobe King, and Jalen Reed, all of whom are from Detroit, Michigan guys. Uh, you know, Kalen King told us yesterday about how he went to, he estimates he went to 15 Michigan games growing up. He loved the Wolverines. We already knew that Charles Woodson was his favorite player. Um, you know, he said that Michigan was a, a place that he really could have seen himself uh, through the recruiting process and everything. And I, I think that, you know, Kalen King is kind of at, he's one of those players where he's at a, a certain level in terms of his confidence, what he can say, how he says it. Um, he's, he's a very polished speaker and things like that. But uh, I think that we saw like a little bit of a, a window into this team being kind of loose this week um, and, you know, having kind of a, a quiet confidence through acknowledging this. I mean, you know, talking to these guys from Michigan, compared to talking to all the guys from Maryland last week. I mean, last week, talking to those guys from Maryland, it was kind of like, it's going to be cool to see my family, but this doesn't mean anything. Yeah, um, I'm from Maryland, and the Terps also reside there. Ex exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Kalen King kind of acknowledging it. You know, talking to Jalen Reed, you know, we talked to him uh, on Wednesday night for 
a long time just about growing up in Detroit, knowing the King twins, playing against them in high school and little league, um, talking about the guys that came before him, like Sauce Gardner, that he has a close relationship and who've helped him, um, uh, you know, getting kind of that insight from him into kind of what, what surrounds this. And, you know, he talked about that he's going to know a lot of guys on the other side and that's something that's you know pretty, pretty cool to him. And I think to hear that acknowledged and, it's just kind of a very honest approach. Um, I, I think that the team, kind of like you said, I mean, I think they know what the implications of this game are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that James Franklin, he always preaches the one and no thing. But the the caveat that he always adds on to it is that part of that message is still, if you do this every week, then you we're going to reach our goals. And we heard some of these guys in the spring. I think Jalen Reed in particular laid out what those goals are and that it's national championship. Um, so I think that you know, these guys know what they're playing for. Um, and they know that despite all of this one and oh and one game at a time, they still know what the ultimate goal is. I, I think that James Franklin has done a really, really good job of communicating how you get there. And that you can't do it all in, you know, week six or week eight or something like that. But I think that hearing from from the King twins and Jalen Reed and some of the other players this week, uh, even last week after the Maryland game, Olu Fashionu said that November is the month of champions, which is something that I've I haven't heard a Penn State player say that in my my short time and kind of framing it what's happening like this. So mm-hmm. I, I think that this team is geared up for uh, this game and what comes after it because i think that's also part of it too that they know is that if you get by this there's still two more games there's still stuff you have to do but i think that you know the body of work um if you add michigan to it it speaks for itself um and i think these players know that um, and i think that they were a little bit more honest about that this week than maybe we usually hear and i have no doubt that those 20 days that that are going to separate them from the sunday morning that followed the loss against ohio state were enough to recharge the emotional batteries. We certainly saw pretty empty batteries against Indiana. They, they were much more back to, to what we anticipated from the team against Maryland and really taking a step forward there. I'm expecting them to be emotionally raw. And whatever comes to this matchup, they're going to feel it in a big way come the next Sunday morning, win or loss. And they have a couple more games to get to, as Daniel mentioned. Getting into some of the details of this game, as I mentioned, Chop Robinson, Amin Vanover, we saw them on the practice field. We'll see what the things look like pregame in Beaver Stadium. Be big to get them back on board. Robinson, three sacks, five tackles for loss over the first course of this matchup before of, of the season before being sidelined at Ohio State. Uh, many have projected him as a potential first-round pick. And then Amin Vanover has been really that number four defensive end, but he's missed four games now on the season. So Sariah Fisher has been stepping up. And Jeremiah Lyons, the true freshman, has burned red shirt. Um, but when we look at the wide receiver position, no sign of Harrison Wallace. Um, so that continues to put focus elsewhere. And Dante Cephas obviously brought the spotlight upon himself, Mark, down in College Park, a couple touchdowns, six catches after not recording more than two receptions, after not reaching 40 yards in any of his previous eight games as a Nittany Lion. We covered a lot of ground on this on Monday, but this is vital at wide receiver. This can't be a, an outlier at, at, at Maryland, in my opinion, if they want to match up against Michigan and really take this one down to the wire. It cannot be a situation where we're talking after the game about Keandre Lambert-Smith having eight catches on 12 targets, and you've got to go down to the next wide receiver having one or two catches on three or four targets. And this discussion after the game is guys need to finish their routes. 
maybe if we get there, maybe we don't, but Dante Sivas is going to get a lot of run to kind of shape that narrative. Yeah, well, that was the question when when he was coming from Kent State, right? It's like, yes, this guy showed that he can do it against a Big Ten opponent or a Pac-12 opponent, uh, you know, on a on a kind of a one-off basis. But can you do it stacking games? Can you do it week in and week out? And I said it earlier in the week. I thought it was impressive that Cephas got an opportunity early in the year and really kind of fell flat, didn't get it the job done but had enough confidence in himself to kind of circle back around. And then when the opportunity presents itself against Maryland, he was able to get it done. But absolutely, because I think right at this point, you have a pretty good feeling of what you're going to get from Keandre Lambert-Smith. And you have a pretty good feeling now what you're going to get from those three tight ends. I mean, all three of those guys, you know, you have to throw Dinkins in there now, even though he doesn't have the volume, the key catches that that guy's making, whether it's touchdowns or first downs, I mean, that's a guy that they're very comfortable with. So obviously they're going to stick with their 12 personnel because that's what's working for them. And that means that you need another wide receiver to step up and get it done consistently. And it sure looks like Cephas is that guy. But again, doing it against Maryland is one thing. I mean, doing it against Michigan is, is a completely different beast. So there is, you know, I don't want to say there's a lot of pressure on him, but there's a lot of pressure on him. So there, I just said it. I mean, he's going he's to step up and get the job done because I just don't know that there's anybody else in that room that you could really lean on that has showed us that they're ready to do it. I keep saying, you know, I'd love to see Caden Saunders get more of a chance, and they ran him out there a few times against Maryland, uh, but didn't really look in his direction all that much. And uh, Liam Clifford looks like they're putting him out there basically as a run blocker at this point, you know, like he goes in and they, and they run running plays. So, uh, Malik McLean, I, you know, he seems to be playing, but they don't really go to him that much. So Cephas, it, it, this is a big game for Dante Cephas. And I think it could really take a lot of pressure off of everybody else in the passing game. About a big game for this running back tandem. Uh, it's not too late to reverse course and, and show the country that you are among the elite. We know Katron Allen has been gaining some steam and it's been more of a sputtering for Nick Singleton of late and for much of this season. Uh, but these two will be in the spotlight, backing up Drew Aller at quarterback, his first time going against this Michigan defense. And you look at what these guys have done or, or really not been able to do in a couple of the bigger matchups in their career thus far in national stages. Obviously, the Rose Bowl they delivered in a big way but you think about the Ohio State game they were largely non-factors after early portions of that game Singleton got loose a little bit early on but I believe that the total was 80 yards on, on 20 touches combined for them against Ohio State in that matchup and they really didn't play a role with touches as that game got late in Columbus and then you look back to last year in a game that really got away from Penn State in the second half against Michigan and the offensive possessions felt very few and far between and very short for the Nittany Lions but you had six carries for 16 yards for Catron Allen last year against Michigan and Nick Singleton last year in Ann Arbor goes six carries for 19 yards so two of the bigger games where eyes are on this team and eyes are on these backs Hasn't really been the star power involved there. So, Daniel, we have heard a lot of, about Katron Allen this week. And, and it, again, if we go with the rotation, it's going to be Nick Singleton starting. So keep an eye on that in Beaver Stadium. If Katron Allen gets a start, that bucks a little bit of a trend of, of, of going one guy, then the other, then the other. Regardless, it feels like James Franklin pretty much opened up about it after practice. This is a game because of the physicality and brutality that we expect in Michigan versus Penn State where Katron Allen, his profile just matches up with what's at stake. And he told us on Wednesday that he is not going to back down from the moment. 
I would be surprised if he did back down from the moment. I mean, I, I think that Katron Allen is someone from what we've learned about him these past two years and how he approaches things. Uh, you know, he wants the ball in his hands and he wants to make things happen. And he believes that when he has the ball in his hands, that he's going to make things happen. I, I think that it's interesting when you look at how last year's game against Michigan went and you talk about that Ohio State game earlier this year in terms of not getting touches uh, for these guys. And I, I think that that's where, if you're Penn State, you just have to figure out how to stay on the field so that you can get into these rhythms. I mean, that Ohio State game, they just, I mean, they got away from the run, but they also didn't really get the chance to really get anything going with all of those three and outs that they had. And last year at, at Michigan, you're playing a game that, is really just slipping away from you. And in that second half, I think 27 to three run uh, that um, Michigan closed that game on or, or something along those lines. So I, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're Penn state, that really goes to kind of the game control and trying to be able to dictate the the terms of the game um, on how you want to do that. And I think Katron Allen is someone that is that type of running back in terms of how physical he is. He's, always falling forward, always getting extra yardage. Uh, and I think that he's someone that can help keep Penn State on the field. And if you're on the field more, it gives you more opportunities to, to do things on offense. So I think that that's kind of what, when I look at this running game, and in order for it to be successful, they're going to need Drew Aller and the passing game to pick them up. They're going to need those wide receivers and tight ends that if they have the opportunity to move the, move the chains um, or even get them into a second and short or third and short, they're going to need you know that part of the game to, to really step up uh, to give them chances to have success. So I, I think that Katron Allen is someone who can really, really play a big role with how physical he is. And, and then with Nick Singleton, I think that we talked about after the Ohio State game that Singleton is supposed to be one of those guys that's an equalizer that, you know, traditionally Penn State wasn't recruiting on the same level as Ohio State in terms of five stars. And and Nick Singleton is someone who's supposed to help level the playing field a little bit, the type of guy that can really, really change a game in, in one play. So I think that we, we've seen a little bit on those kickoff returns uh, that Nick Singleton still has that juice, still can make some things happen with a full head of steam. But I think that if, if there's any time for him to make that happen on offense, this is, this is really it in that running game. You, you think about, uh, you know, how this matchup went uh, in the last few years, the trenches were so important to this team and, and, and the offensive line here again, front and center, a prove it moment. We heard from Phil Tratwine, the offensive line coach here on a Thursday morning. He sounded confident that his groom is, his group is going to be able to, in his terms, out physical, Michigan and, and that's if we see Penn State on their offensive front out physical this Michigan defensive front they're going to win this game I, I I think unless they make some major mistakes or have defensive lapses that would change the complexion of this matchup and that's just not the kind of performance Mark Brennan that we have historically seen against the Michigan against Ohio State uh, over and over in these series um, seven sacks surrendered a couple of years ago in a very narrow loss in Beaver Stadium Last year, they weren't able to run the ball. Everything that they did on the ground essentially came from a Sean Clifford scramble, it felt like, and a lot of punts involved along the way. This is a moment for them. Uh, a good step forward against Maryland. They are as deep as we've ever seen this offensive line at this stage of the season. That that has maintained throughout. They got J.B. Nelson back. That rotation is back on board. 
But here it is again, uh, put up or shut up time kind of. And I think the fan base, again, they get to 11 and one, 11 and two even. But if what they see from the offensive line against Ohio State and Michigan is is a stalemate or getting driven back or, or, or you know, miscommunication, then that's going to be ultimately how a lot of folks are going to remember the 2023 version of the offensive line, fair or not. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like Trout is trying to speak it into existence, right? I mean, have we seen any indication that this team is going to, you know, out physical people in a running game? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we saw it on Catron Allen's touchdown run against a thoroughly defeated Maryland team at that point where the entire pile moved. But this is the classic example of where we are with this team. It's like, yeah, I got to see it to believe it. I mean, you have Nick Singleton. If you look at his Big Ten only stats, and they've played the worst rushing defenses in the Big Ten. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry against Big Ten opponents. I mean, that's that, that's not good. And that's not about three just, yards. It's about three yards lower than his average against Big Ten opponents last year. It's it's jarring. I mean, to, to, to be where we are now with Thanksgiving around the corner and the numbers reflecting that way, it's difficult. And you know how much it must be crushing Nick Singleton himself on a week-to-week right, basis. Right, but as much as much of a reflection as it is on him, it's an equal reflection on the offensive line, the tight ends, and the receivers. I mean, that's it's a group effort, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's been this close. How many times have we heard that? Yeah, I've been this close. I mean, that that was the line I was going with early in the year. You know, he was this close to breaking this. He was this close to breaking that. And sure, I I I don't think his. There's a little bit something missing there. I don't know if it's his vision or if it's just the way he's feeling things or whatever. But that doesn't explain 3.5 yards per carry. Again, when you've played the worst rushing defenses in the Big Ten, when you're talking about Northwestern, Illinois, and who else was in there? There was Indiana, you know? So I, I appreciate Phil saying that, and I, I love the way that Phil has come along as such a thorough – he's able to explain things in a way that human beings – can understand like normal human beings, not, not offensive line, you know, geeks, which I respect offensive line geeks, but you know, it's, there's so many complicated things there. And again, a lot of reporters think they're coaches, but we're really not. So I'd always appreciate when an actual coach can explain things to us in ways that we, we understand. Having said that, I mean, he'll, they'll prove me wrong if they're able to go out and, and dom and physically dominate Michigan. And I will be the first one to stand up and say, you know what? I absolutely got that wrong. I'll do it in my report card. I'll give myself an F, but I'm going to believe that when I see it. Yeah. And I don't think dominance should be the goal here. And then, but you should set that as your goal, of course. But I think in terms of what's realistically in play here, what you'd like to see is a push because just a push hasn't really necessarily been there. Consistent push, because you got to set yourself up with manageable third down situations. If you're getting contact in the backfield first, second down, that's going to derail those ambitions. We haven't seen Nick Singleton go it about himself to break a bunch of tackles and, and, and escape the backfield. You know, Trent Allen can maybe do that and turn a two-yard loss into a two-yard game, but you're still looking at a second and eight. So with that said, setting the stage for Drew Aller, Manageable third downs, I would put very high on the list. And for him to have the backing of a ground game, something that, that that for whatever reason, you can look at Ohio State's defensive approach in the second half. You can look at the play calling for Penn State's approach. They decided not to equip Drew Aller. Uh, it was determined not to play call it, to equip him with a ground game or to really try to force the initiative with a ground game at Ohio State. 
that patience word that James Franklin keeps referencing. You mentioned it about the Iowa game. He talked about maybe the lack of patience, that slipping away against Ohio State. To me, I'm reading that into it's okay to get four-yard gains. It's okay to keep getting three, four-yard gains and find yourself constantly needing to pick, move the chains on third down. That's kind of worth I mean, that's what they did against Iowa, right? It felt like they were just constantly at third and two. I mean, that's what they were for the first six games for the most part. It was just working your way to third and manageable. And along the way against Ohio State, that just did not happen. They started 0-15, and, and we know the rest. So, Daniel, when it comes to Drew Allery, you know, we heard from him on Tuesday. You documented that conversation at Lions247.com. He's back in the spotlight. He's riding the high of his first game. But a lot of people will tell you that Drew Aller doesn't ride highs. He doesn't ride lows. He just is Drew Aller. And fair or not, I'll say it again, his sophomore campaign and how people are going to view him not going to be so much based on the stats. They're very pretty right now. 23 total touchdowns, one interception. But the nation got a long look at him when he went to Columbus, and he didn't look like the number one quarterback prospect in America. And he acknowledged that afterwards. Here he gets a shot of redemption, and he's kind of being tasked with leading this offense because of the way the ground game has gone through nine games. I, I think when you talk about the the stats being pretty too and, and Drew being judged by the, the results on the field, I, I also think that – up until the Indiana game and, and when he hit Keandre Lambert-Smith at the end, what was his kind of signature throw through the first, you know, six? The first Keandre Lambert touchdown on the first <laughs> possession of the first game, I'd say. Exactly. And, and now you look over these past two games and you have the pass to Keandre Lambert-Smith. You have the two touchdowns to Dante Cephas. Uh, you've got that pass to Tyler Warren for the touchdown. And you can even put... Uh, the 38-yard uh, gain to Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, early in that game, and even that Theo Johnson touchdown because it was uh, Aller basically improvising uh, when when the trick play went awry. So um, I, I think that we're starting to see, or we we did see something different from Drew Aller. Um, I, I think one thing that stood out to me a little bit, um, I was going back and, and watching parts of that Maryland game um, on the DVR, and I, I thought that... Uh, Brock Heward brought up something that we haven't really heard from Drew Aller before, uh, and that Brock Heward said that Drew Aller told him that he wanted to rip it uh, against Maryland. And I think that kind of sounds any- like Chuck it, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds it a little bit like Chuck it. <laughs> um, but well, I think to me, ripping it is that throw to throw to Tyler Warren uh, through through a couple defenders. I think chucking it, I think that's throwing it up for grabs. I'm, I'm going to put a delineation there um but I couldn't help myself easy you're, you're gonna have somebody going after you on twitter <laughs> oh, God. but uh no <laughs> i i just think that you know we've seen a little bit of that mindset change and uh to hear that kind of communicated along um through that way i, I think that it shows an, an element of relaxation of um confidence in drew aller personally i attribute it to hitting on that touchdown pass to keandre lambert smith not the interception, but it, it's clear that he's he at least has potentially turned some kind of corner that something really has clicked for him. He said that after the after the Maryland game. Um, I, I think that that's something to to really keep an eye on is just you know, what throws is he making? What throws is are Mike Yersich and James Franklin letting him attempt in terms of what they're calling? Um, how are his receivers picking him up and, and keeping things moving? Um, I, I think that things are kind of coming together that you are starting to see a little bit more of the offense that we thought we would. Of course, you're trying to do this against maybe the toughest defense you'll play all year. Um, at the same time, 
Uh, Michigan, the Michigan defense maybe hasn't seen an offense like Penn State's yet. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think that you know everything that Drew Aller tells us about his personality, everything that his player, uh, his teammates tell us in terms of you know, not not really being able to tell if he's up or down because that's just how he always is. I think that anytime you can get some sort of insight into um, you know, what he feels through you know, someone like like through a TV analyst or you know, pretty much anyone, I, I think that it's illuminating. And I think that it shows that, you know, maybe Drew Aller is th- kind of coming into his own a little bit. Maybe they are letting him, maybe he does feel comfortable enough to take these throws uh, and it's happening at a good time. After a couple of late October Saturdays where he was, you know, had the look of angst on his face quite a bit in Beaver Stadium for the Indiana game in the week prior at Columbus, uh, smiles, uh, smiles all around for, for Drew Aller down in College Park. In fact, it was uh, something that was asked about in the press conference was just his demeanor and that smile. And listeners out there, watchers out there, close your eyes, give yourself a second. Imagine Drew Aller walking off the field, smiling, ringing that bell after the game on Saturday afternoon and what that would mean for Penn State and for him fulfilling so much of what you could call a prophecy with a five-star quarterback prospect. Does it happen this Saturday? Is it something that ultimately proves to be motivating for him in Penn State moving forward because it doesn't work out to fruition? We'll find out in a matter of time, but uh, a lot on the table for Drew Aller and and what his sophomore season is going to be remembered as. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The defensive front here, the other topic we got to get to before we talk players to watch in our final predictions. And we talked about a lot of players to watch already, of course. But, Mark, the defensive front has heard about this game for a long time. You know, the linebacker group, the defensive tackles, of course, uh, have been bludgeoned with that 418 number. The total rushing yards they gave up last year in Ann Arbor when they got boat raced on the ground by the Wolverines. Here's their opportunity. James Franklin discussed this week. Not only are they deeper at defensive tackle on the defensive line, but they are bigger. You can see the physical difference. We noted it in the spring. We noted it again in the preseason camp. And now we have seen it show up in a big way. The linebackers, James Franklin alluded to, they are more experienced. They are more physically impressive than they were last year. And you look across the room and you look at the stats and you look at the the, the opportunities they've gotten on the field. Yeah, that's all exactly right. But here we go. You're taking on a a very impressive Michigan team and yet not quite as impressive on the ground as they were last year. Not with the authority. Blake Corum leads all of college football with 16 rushing touchdowns. But you're kind of seeing a parallel situation play out with Donovan Edwards, a former five star running back. He's kind of sputtering on the ground. He's really made an impact as a receiver. That's a matchup to watch on the outside with him. But, Mark, even if it's not the great ground game that Michigan brought to the final stretch of 2022, this is a great opportunity to exercise some demons for Penn State's defensive front and to set this team up to pull off the upset. Yeah, I have a suspicion that after 55 weeks of chewing on that 471 yards, that they are not going to let them rush for anything remotely close to that. They they, they may lose this game. Uh, you know, Michigan with J.J. McCarthy, a really good quarterback, very versatile quarterback, you know, may beat them with the passing game. McCarthy may get some things done with his legs, but I do not I, – I w- w- whatever the over-under is on rushing for Michigan, I would take the under uh, because I just t- – to me – you know, James Franklin pretty much called out his own team after that game, and he's he's walked that back uh, to an extent, but not everybody walked it back. I mean, people are still talking about it to this day. So I have to believe, just knowing, you know, what Manny Diaz is all about, having gotten to know him a little bit, and, and knowing the kind of intensity that a Dion Barnes brings, and knowing the way some of these defensive linemen and linebackers are wired, I, I that to me, I, I can't imagine that they are going to allow anything remotely close to what happened. Now, again, I, 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 I preface that or I'll preface that by saying that um, I'm not expecting them to co- completely shut down the Michigan offense. There's too many good weapons, you know, receivers, quarterback. Uh, but I just I have to imagine that. If there's one statement they're going to make in this game, it's going to be that nobody's going to rush rush the ball against him that way uh, again. And if Michigan is able to do it, congratulations to Michigan. This defensive line and the linebacker core isn't what I thought it is, but I think this is a pretty good group. The the, the key to me is we're assuming that Chop and Amin Vanover are going to be back. And that gives you just an outstanding group of defensive ends. But I think their depth at defensive tackle, you don't have that one person who's like P.J. Mustafer who just seems to be better than everybody else. I think they can go so deep there with so many different styles of players. And you have some bigger bodies. Uh, you know, you have some 300-plus pounders now. So I think the depth at defensive tackle is really going to be a key to everything they attempt to do defensively. And I would also say this, that – we know how good the Penn State defensive backs are in run support. 
you know, these guys are not afraid to come up and, and pop people. And so it wouldn't surprise me if if they're going to err on the side of not being beaten by the running game. Maybe you do, do give up a long pass or two. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, we almost saw a little bit of it against Maryland. You know, maybe you sacrifice some things in the, in, uh, against the passing game to make sure that this team doesn't run. Because I think that will put you in a better position to, 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 to win the game, to, to win the time of possession battle, all of those things. I know in Ann Arbor they do. That's kind of a concern that's brewing behind the scenes. There's, there's other concerns right now in Ann Arbor, but I, I know that this rushing attack, they're wondering now that it's time to show up here in November and they've got Ohio State in a few weeks and Penn State now, will that ground game show up? They had 240 yards average rushing last year on their way to a Big Ten title. This season they're at under 170 yards, so 70 fewer rushing yards per contest right now. That's actually a few yards lower than Penn State fourth in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, Penn State, you want to talk about responding to a public challenge from your coach? They lead all of FBS right now in rushing yards surrendered per game, 60 yards allowed on the ground per contest through nine weeks. So uh, something's got to get figured out here. You look at that matchup and you think it favors Penn State, and then you remember what happened last year, and you've got to kind of marry those two things. And I think right now, fellas, if we're looking at the interior of the trenches, and that's really where this game could be determined, I give I give quite a benefit of the doubt right now to the defense, and I'm just having a hard time finding it for the offense. And that's just kind of I guess that is really attributed to what we saw against Ohio State. But I think overall, just a nine game sample size. Let's finish with the other quarterback. We heard about him from Zach Shaw early in the week, but to me, this could be a separating factor on Saturday. Obviously, if, if they decide to take Jim Harbaugh off the sideline and his coordinators off the sideline. Forget a lot of what we just said, and we'll, you know, we'll have an emergency podcast perhaps. But when it comes <laughs> to what we know now, J.J. McCarthy, like you talk about him only, what, four pass attempts or four pass completions on the season. Uh, this defense hasn't had to play late. Doesn't everything about them sound like what we were discussing with Penn State before the Ohio State matchup? You know, you've been a heavy favorite in every game. You've taken care of your business. Where's the ground game? It's not quite what we expected. Uh, the defenders aren't having to play late. J.J. McCarthy's on the sideline watching the final four or five possessions each week. What does it look like when the lights come on? The thing that's different, though, is Penn State was working with Drew Aller and, and a lot of pieces here that haven't that haven't had that spotlight opportunity. And, Daniel, J.J. McCarthy was the spearhead of this offense. I know the ground game really led it, but he was the orchestrator, the maestro for Michigan's offense as they went to the college football playoff. And he's here back again as the catalyst of a locker room. He is a really important figure here because not only what he can do with his legs, with his arm, but he is a central figure for this squad. And, and they've dealt with a lot of noise. They've dealt with a lot of drama. It has been present throughout his career as a former five-star prospect. And he seems to be a guy who, for whatever reason, can weather that storm and help keep the team on track. You can't say that for every quarterback. And coming into the buzzsaw that I expect Beaver Stadium to be, I'd imagine they're going to be booed as loud as we've ever heard an opponent booed in Beaver Stadium. This is a really really important thing for Michigan to be able to travel with J.J. McCarthy as their quarterback. Yeah, I, I wouldn't wish emergency pods on on anyone <laughs> at, at, at this point <laughs> in the week. I mean, I'm trying. we're 48 hours away. I'm trying to get to Saturday at this point. we got a basketball game to cover on Friday, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, no, I, I think you look at J.J. McCarthy, and he's been really, really good this year. Uh, I, I think you drew a lot of parallels between Penn State going into that Ohio State game and – Michigan coming into to this game in terms of what they've done late, not being tested, etc. Uh, but we were talking to Kalen King yesterday, and Kalen King brought up the fact that you know, Michigan is one of the most explosive offenses 
in the country that J.J. McCarthy has been really getting it done through the air with those wide receivers. That's not something we were seeing from Penn State through that that first six games going into that Ohio State game. Um, so I think that this Ohio, this Michigan offense is really clicking. I think J.J. McCarthy is a huge part of it. Kalen King brought up the point that he thinks that the offense that Penn State will see on Saturday is going to be you know, pretty much the opposite of what they saw last year in, in Ann Arbor in terms of the struggles that the run game is having, the success that they've been having through the air. Uh, Kalen King talked about how that reputation kind of proceeds Michigan in terms of being a, a smash mouth team. But uh, he, he pretty much said that you know, if you're expecting Michigan to come in and run the ball 40 or 50 times that you haven't really been watching Michigan this year. Uh, and the type of team they are. And I think that that's what happens when you have a quarterback who's playing at a high level, like J.J. McCarthy is, and he's been through it. Uh, he's quarterback the team to a pair of Big Ten titles. Um, he you know, beat out Cade, Cade McNamara, or Cade Mac- McNamara, I guess, technically, quarterback that 2021 one. But you know, he, he beat out a quarterback that had success, and then he came in and elevated things uh, last year and into this year. So... I, I think that J.J. McCarthy is going to give Penn State a, a really, really big challenge. And we talked to Kalen King yesterday, too, about that Ohio State game uh, and going up against Marvin Harrison Jr. Kalen King acknowledged that it's probably one of the worst games of his career. And he kind of said everybody saw it, too. Um, but the one thing that he took away from it was that he couldn't let that performance affect him down the stretch this year. And I think that he's a guy that we've gotten to know him and we know his mentality and his confidence that I don't think it will. So you look at Kalen King, you look at Daquan Hardy, you look at Johnny Dixon uh, in the safety room. These are all guys that are really going to have to be on their game um, against JJ McCarthy, that there isn't a Marvin Harrison jr. Type, but there's a JJ McCarthy type uh, at quarterback. I'd take him over Kyle McCord right now, I think. And so you look at that and it's going to present a really, really stiff challenge. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to Saturday and Saturday night and we're talking about this game and the Penn state run defense doesn't even really come up that much that that's kind of off to the side, maybe something we, we touch on and just kind of going through stars of the game, like Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. I, I think that this Penn state pass defense is really going to have to, is really going to have to step up. And I, I think it might be a good matchup for Penn state. So um, I'm really excited to see JJ McCarthy and, you know, if he can validate this hype, if he can validate this performance and it's going to be fun. And, hey, one and, stat, could I throw out yeah. there, Tyler? The, yeah. uh, and I was just looking it up now. I mean, the thing about McCarthy, that's, I mean, you look at 75% of his 75.7 completion rate, you know, that's crazy, but Look back at last week as I knock my microphone uh, over, and uh, Talia Tungavailoa, 74% per, per completion rate. Now, I'm not comparing those two teams, but I think you're, you may see that same kind of approach where they allow some dinks and dunks with the passing game, but still focus on shutting down that running game as much as you can. We saw that you can be successful uh, doing that. Michigan's a much different team, but just because somebody's completing a high per, a high percentage of their passes doesn't mean that that necessarily translates into a massive outburst of points. And I think that may be a little bit of what we see from that Penn State defense. Keep everybody in front of you. Uh, really focus on stopping that ground game. 
don't allow as many big plays, and, and, and that should put you in a position to, to do some good things. This is a guy that, that can create. Uh, containing him, I think, is very important. When you have an opportunity to get the sack, get the sack. Uh, he has been a really impressive creator in using those legs. I know he's got eight touchdowns in the last couple of years, and he can he can do some things, you know, move the first down marker and, and, and with his legs. But what really scares you, I think, as a defense, and what Manny Diaz is probably concerned about, is just containing him within that pocket. Because when he's able to evade pressure and able to keep his eyes downfield, he's got the weapons. I mean, he's got four guys who have at least 24 receptions. Roman Wilson uh, is tied with Marvin Harrison Jr. for the most touchdown catches in the Big Ten with 10 of them. Uh, and he's got another standout tight end, which they always seem to have in there. They actually have a couple of them between Colston Loveland and then A.J. Barner, who used to be at Indiana. So I think that's a differentiating factor right here than any other quarterback they face. I think they faced some good quarterbacks. They had a good one last week, but this is a quarterback who, when it does fall apart a little bit and he's forced to create and looks downfield, there's a lot of weapons and guys who have done it before. So that scares you a bit. And let's dive into it with players to watch. I think we've already talked about 20 different players that will be uh, focused in on uh, and Beaver Stadium, Daniel. But when it comes to Penn State, maybe a name that we haven't focused in on yet. Who is that player for you? Yeah, I, I wrote down one and we did not touch on it. And I'm very <laughs> happy about that because I was, I was a little worried about getting to this segment. But I went with Alex Falcons, uh, the, the kicker uh, grad transfer from Columbia. He's really added some stability to special teams for Penn State after Sanders Sahadak's shakiness uh, in the opener against West Virginia. I, I, I always think back to that 2021 game uh, that Penn State lost 21-17 on that late touchdown pass to Eric Hall. I mean, in that game, Jordan Stout missed a 43-yard field goal, and then Penn State elected to try a, a fake field goal uh, mm. down near the goal line. Uh, and that Penn State basically took left six points out there and you lose a game by four points. Um, I think that this game is going to come down to the margins. Um, I really like this Michigan defense. I, I think it's a very stout unit, no matter who they've played, you can only play who's on your schedule and Michigan's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so I think that you're, we're going to end up in some situations where we could see Alex Falcons hit some of these long, have to take some of these long field goals. We could see a Penn state drive sputter out, uh, deep deeper into the red zone and it's not not really close enough where you can run the t out there and, and get that one yard so i think that falcons is someone that we're going to be that we're going to see a lot of on on saturday and i think that he's someone that really can't afford to leave any points out there on the field because you're you're going to need to get everything you can against this michigan team excellent pick there he's been a real bright spot for them uh mark where are you landing here I'm going to go with Zane Durant as somebody who's kind of represents that entire group of uh, of defensive tackles. I mean, he to me has been the most consistent uh, of of those D tackles, and I think you know a guy who's added weight in a good way, uh, very athletic. Will that mean that Zane Durant is making a ton of tackles? He has 5.5 tackles for loss on the year. I don't think so, but I think a guy like Durant, watch for him to do his job. James Franklin talking about that gap accountability, you know, take up space in that middle, you know, cause whatever havoc you can cause and allow your linebackers and safeties to make as many tackles as they could possibly make. So I don't know that it's going to be a big numbers game, but keep an eye. If he's playing well, I think that defense is going to be playing well. And again, I, I mentioned Zane Durant, but I think it's that position as a whole. I think Zane's going to be the, the key guy but watch for all of those guys and see how well they play because I think if they're doing a good job, Penn State's going to be in a really good spot defensively. 
in the spirit of your pick, I'm, I'm thinking along the same lines. I'm picking Hunter Norzad because uh, I think he represents that interior of the of the offensive line, um, and he really does. I mean, you, you look at the, the performance collectively against Ohio State, and we have to note that J.B. Nelson did not play, was considered available on an emergency basis, but the interior performance was lacking in that matchup. And you look at you know some of the grades that, that get doled out by Pro Football Focus, whatever you make of those, the metrics – Hunter Norzad's numbers really plummeted in that matchup. But I think what was startling was, was some of the miscommunication issues that day against Indiana. We saw a much more buttoned up approach offensively, and that, that included the offensive front at Maryland. Uh, but the miscommunication issues will damn them in this matchup, I think, because they're going to result in two or three yard uh, the losses uh, in the ground game or Drew Aller getting hit and potentially losing control of the football. But either way, putting your offense in bad third down situations, and that's a main theme on Saturdays, avoiding those kind of spots or in positions where you could lose the ball because of an early hit after the handoff or Drew Aller's getting uh, getting hit in the pocket. Kenneth Grant, uh, Chris Jenkins, these guys in the interior, they, you don't mess around with these guys. They might be the best defensive tackle tandem uh, that we've seen thus far face Penn State. We've seen some really virtuoso performances individually on the defensive line against the Nittany Lions. This tandem, the way they're playing right now, uh, it, it's, it's a major concern when you look at the matchup. And so Hunter Norzad at the center of this, it's not just about watching number 64 push around defensive linemen and move them downfield physically. It's about those pre-snap moments, something that Drew Scruggs seemed to handle so well. His teammates will tell you he's handling that really well, but I think it will be pretty stark. I should say it will be pretty obvious if the miscommunication issues happen because Michigan will make you pay for them with the athleticism, just the brutality they have up front, and they're a well-coached bunch. And so I think it's going to be very obvious from the early on of this matchup where things are heading and it's going to be based offensively on that interior. So I'm going with Hunter Norzad, uh, the starting center for the Nittany Lions. It's time for predictions, fellas. Uh, we're going to lead off with Mark, get to Daniel. I'll wrap us up. But uh, we've got Michigan. We've got Penn State. And I'm going to put it out there. None of us have picked against Penn State on this podcast for a game. I think you got to go back to last year's Ohio State game. Uh, so October of, of 2022, we've picked Penn State. The rest of the way, we all had them winning the Rose Bowl. We all had them beating Ohio State in Columbus. And Mark Brennan, with that, I hand the mic to you. Well, first of all, I want to say that you know this is a serious podcast when we're talking about players to watch and we pick a kicker, a defensive tackle, and a center. <laughs> I mean, this is a football podcast, right? I mean, we're not talking about quarterbacks and receivers and running backs and, and linebackers. We're, we're getting in there to the nitty-gritty of this thing. So just wanted to, to leave that out there. But in terms of predictions, listen, um, yeah, I said this in in in, in the, the written version. I think we could analyze this all we want to. But at the end of the day, this Penn State team hasn't beaten a Big Ten opponent that's ranked in the top 10 since the Big Ten title game in 2016, since it beat Wisconsin. It invariably finds a way to lose or lets the opponent, you know, just can't close – just can't get it done. And there's been so many close games and sooner or later, I mean, that kind of becomes who you are. And I'm to the point now, you know, we all picked Penn state against Ohio state. And I thought the defense played well enough and the special teams played well enough to win, but the offense let it down. I, I just can't pick this team to win this kind of game until I see it. I, I really can't. And I know that's a cop out, but uh, that's what I'm going with. So I'm picking Michigan, uh, close Penn State covers 24-21 Michigan. And in terms of a bold prediction, I had a different one, but then somebody picked over it. So I am going with Katron Allen. Not going to score a rushing TD in this game. 
but he is going to score. He is going to catch a, a TD pass. So I think they may get down there in that red zone, and Michigan's going to get everything, get all the defense in there to try to, to to stuff that run. And I think they'd maybe do a little play action or so, something, and Catron kind of leaks out, and Allers kind of is able to dump a, a pass. And we've seen them try it a couple times this year; hasn't quite worked. But I think that's something that could be there for them. And I would watch for Catron Allen to score his first receiving touchdown of the season and only the second receiving touchdown of his career. All right, Daniel, you heard it from Mark. He's got Michigan coming out with the win from Beaver Stadium. Where do you land here? I, I think that a lot of things that Mark said about who you are as a team are are really true at this point. And um, I, I think I've been pretty vocal about different players and different phases of the game being very prove it um, and over the course of this year and, and needing to see it. Um, but I, I, in picking this game, I tried to avoid some of the that kind. I didn't want to dismiss it, dismiss Penn State um, out of hand. Uh, I, I think that this team has done uh, a lot of good things over the course of this year. I, I think that if they do win on Saturday, it's going to be a real slugfest and it's not going to be easy. I think that in my final score, I think I factored in about three field goals. Um, so I think that there's going to be some frustrations, and I think Penn State is going to need to come through in all three phases. Um, I picked Penn State to win here. Um, before the season, I picked Penn State to go 11-1 and with the loss in Columbus. Um, I flip-flopped on that uh, before the Ohio State game and, and got burned. Um, I don't want to flip-flop on my instincts right now. Um, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, I, I think that when you look at this matchup, and I, I think that based on how the two teams are playing, that Penn State matches up really nicely uh, when it comes to the the running game. And I think that that puts the game on J.J. McCarthy's arm uh, against this Penn State secondary. And I, I think I like what the secondary might be able to do. Um, on the other side, and I think that the defense is going to keep things close enough that when the offense you know, gets points here and there, that it can hold up. Um, and so I, I went with Penn State 23, Michigan 21. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to the wire. Um, it's not going to be comfortable uh, at, at any moment for either team, but I think that Penn State sets itself up to be 11 and 1 and be in the conversation through the past two for the final two weeks of the season. Um, as for my bold prediction, uh, I leaned on the the three Detroit players, Kalen King, Kobe King, Jalen Reed, talking to them this week. I think that all three of those guys are, are really focused. Jalen Reed has been playing really good football these past couple of weeks outside of a couple things in that Indiana game. I think Kobe King has really added some stability for Penn State at the second level. You think back to the linebackers against Michigan last year and how that looked. I think with Kobe King and Abdul Carter taking on bigger roles this year, um, that thing that that's definitely helped calm things down a little bit. And then I think Kalen King is just ready for this type of game. You know, he knows what happened the last time he was in the spotlight, doesn't want that to happen again. So I think between those three players, you're going to get at least three tackles for loss and at least two forced turnovers, whether that's fumbles, interceptions, I don't know, blocked punt, something along those lines. So that's that's where I finished up uh, with everything. All right, I'll start with my bold prediction because I almost always feel like I forget it when I finish out the show. <laughs> um, so I, I, after those 418 rushing yards against Michigan, major improvement. I think they'll keep Michigan 
underneath their season rushing average of 167, potentially well underneath that. I think maybe that's a that's a number that Michigan tacks on a bit later in the game because I do ultimately see Michigan winning this matchup 24 to 20 was what, uh, what I have for the final pick. Like Daniel and, and like Mark, I entered this season in, uh, predicting 11-1 and one with a loss at Ohio State and a win against Michigan. Um, you know, turned against that and thought I saw enough from Penn State through those first six weeks and saw I didn't thought I didn't see enough from Ohio State to make that pick. It was a game that did hang in the balance, but the, the offensive performance was just so underwhelming that it left you kind of wondering what this Penn State team is. And so you go through the Indiana game and that doesn't really get alleviated. And I, I just feel like I've got to buy a lot of stock into what we saw in College Park to convince myself to pick them to beat this Michigan team, which I want to remind people has won 21 consecutive conference matchups coming into this showdown. And in my mind's eye, when I just think of the collective nine game image of what this offense is, it's just not good enough to beat this Michigan team, regardless of the game being in Beaver Stadium and regardless of the run defense stepping up and playing its part and having a big bounce back in this matchup. Ultimately, I think that J.J. McCarthy will come out of this game as kind of the, the differentiating factor. And that's not to say Drew Aller is, is not up to the task of going one-on-one -on -one with J.J. McCarthy. I just think that the explosive plays have been there for Michigan all season. You can look at a lot of pass efficiency metrics and the number one in the country. You look at those same pass efficiency metrics and Penn State's out of the top 50. We know they're near the bottom of explosive plays. If we're talking about a down to the wire, one or two plays makes the deciding uh, factor between Michigan and Penn State. I'm going to give the odds to the team that has proven they can produce explosive plays, even if Michigan hasn't faced those kind of tests. Because the one time, if we want to talk about how much Penn Michigan hasn't faced tests, well, we saw what happened to Penn State's offense when they did face a test, and it was a very ugly afternoon, and I, I just can't get there. I thought about it, Daniel. I, I really did. When I sat down with this prediction, I thought I could get to the finish line and put Penn State on front of the scoreboard, but I just couldn't do it, and, and the reason is just what we have seen cumulatively to this point. I think they just have to do some things at the best, that, uh, at the best level they've done all season offensively, including finding balance. And being the very best version of yourself offensively against this particular defense is just such a huge task. And I just don't see them getting there. So 24 to 20, uh, Michigan wins, uh, dropping Penn State down to that second loss and then eliminating the college football playoff conversation. And if we're wrong about it, if I'm wrong about it, then Daniel will let us know on the postgame podcast because he will be absolutely 100 percent correct. And we'll have a much different view of what could await here in November than what I am forecasting. And fellas, over an hour again for our pregame podcast. Uh, I think we always plan 45 minutes and do our best to push the limits there. I apologize for that. But it's always a fun conversation with you, too. And we'll be back in Beaver Stadium together. If you missed it, these guys were at the basketball season opener earlier in the week. Daniel will be bas uh, back at basketball. Grace Brennan will be getting photography there as they look to go to 2-0 on Friday. Don't miss our hoops coverage. And before we get out of here, Mark, mind you tell the people about the deal we have going on. Ignore the promotion scrolling on the bottom of your YouTube page. It's inaccurate. It's not 30% off. It's 50% off. But it does end soon, 50% off VIP annual subscription. And if you watch what's happening on the recruiting front on our site right now, Brian Doan, Steve Wolfong, and, of course, our guy Tyler Calvaruso, you'll understand why that's so valuable on a week like this. Yeah, so from what we understand, this could be the biggest uh, turnout of recruits that they've had in recent memory, uh, larger or bigger even than the, than Whiteout earlier this year. And it makes complete sense, I mean, given the opponent and given the, the, the gigantic stage that Penn State's on. So for people who don't realize, a lot of our recruiting coverage is at the VIP level. It really is what helps us pay the bills. And if you want to get in on a really great deal, 50% off for an annual pass, act, act 
quickly because it ends relatively soon. And that comes out to less than 15 cents per day. And that will be worth your while just for the content that comes out of this weekend. You know, we Tyler Calvaruso does a great job. Brian Doan and our national staff are just absolutely tremendous, and it's all hands on deck uh, for these kind of recruiting weekends. Uh, so this is a great time to come on board. And if you come on for 50% off the annual rate, uh, again, comes out to 15 cents per day, will take you through next year at this time. And we know a lot of big things happening with Penn State football, recruiting hoops. And don't forget, we also have a lot of VIP team coverage as well. I mean, the, the practice report that you guys put together every week is is something that I think everybody loves. And, you know, VIP on, scoop on the boards, the ability to communicate with us or other 24-7 uh, uh, sports people, all of that is part of what you get. And another cool thing, if you're VIP, you get to go to other boards and read their VIP content, which is actually pretty funny uh, when different things are happening at different schools. So you could see the way different communities are, are, are kind of reacting. So you can't necessarily post on those VIP boards, but you can see what people are saying. You know, if there's like a school where there's a big like uh, sign stealing scandal or something like that is happening, you could go over and check out what people are having to say about that. But it's a good deal. Uh, we're a local business. You're supporting us, and we really appreciate it. For everybody who's already a subscriber, thank you so much. If you're a full on a full-paid uh, uh, subscription plan, make sure that you take advantage of the free Paramount Plus subscription. Great deal. A lot of great programming on Paramount Plus, and we have all sorts of uh, Big Ten sports coming to Paramount Plus over the next couple of years. So that's the pitch. Get the whole package for half the price. And, and by the way, December – Things get really interesting from a roster standpoint. I hate to say it. I think there's like 16 days left in the season or whatever here, and we got three football games to watch. But the portal opens in early December. The early signing period is in December. There's a lot going on that, that VIP subscribers will be well in the know on that we won't necessarily always cover here on the podcast or with our free content. So good stuff from Daniel and Mark. On behalf of everybody, I'm Tyler Donahue stepping aside for now. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.